Look, uh, ball playing, ball playing, no watching from the side. Said that you got him next, well, go ahead and show him why. No limits in the sky, go ahead and take your shot. This one is for the city. Let's What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up Next, the podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports and we introduce you to all kind of uh, influential figures in youth sports. And we have a special, special guest today. Uh, but first, of course, I'm Jamal Murphy and I got my man, Khalid Green in the house. What's up, man? Peace, man. Peace, everyone, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, fall, The fall is starting to, you know, settle in on us. Um, so that means basketball season is AAU and, <laughs> and all of that is about to kick up. High school teams are about to start playing. Mm. So I got, I have the man, the myth and the legend, my brother. Who I've known for, I don't know, I think I met him at Hoop Group. And uh, I remember in particular, man, one night, man, I think I, I was laughing till the sun came up with him. You know, yeah. it, it was him, me, yeah. and Kyle Neptune, who's now the head coach of, yeah. uh, of Fordham yeah. University. Yeah, I remember we were that. just up dying. And, and it was, it's always been good vibes with the brother Mike Milton. And he's the director and founder of, uh, of B Ball Spotlight. Everybody on the East Coast knows. That that is the spotlight where you know some of the best ball players have, have come out of. So we're just happy to have him on here and thanks for coming, brother. No problem, man. I yes. appreciate you guys having me on here, man. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. So tell us, uh, you know, tell us your story a little bit, like how you got started in the game, how you started uh B Ball Spotlight and and where you're at now. Um, I I started B Ball Spotlight. First, I used to work for Metro Hoops back in I got down with Metro Hoops around 2002, 2003, I was working for Galen Smith and um, one of my friends, Ralston, had introduced me to him. Man, Ross was good friends and we both was in the basketball heavy and he told me this guy was starting his company and he and he needed somebody to, to write for the website and he said, you always talking about basketball, so I think it'd be a, a good thing for you to come and join the company. So I was running an AAU program out of Trenton at the time. So then I stepped away from that because I felt if I get involved in this, I could get more more opportunities for the kids in terms of exposure and stuff. So I thought it was a good opportunity. I got on with Metro Hoops. I started going all around the, the region, even down to Florida, Virginia, scouting for high school talent and writing about it on the website. Then we started doing events. Um, then I was going to places like ABCD camp and all those other places writing about um, players and things of that nature. Then it came around to about 2005, I want to say 2006, and I had found out it was two other owners in the company. So I went to Galen was like, yo, I want to get in since I'm doing all of this work running around and stuff. And, and he was like, um, and the other owners was like, no, nah, we can't let you in. So I had to make a decision at that time because I asked him, like, so what happens if I help blow this company up? And then one day y'all just tell me, like, yo, y'all don't need me no more. And they was like, well, that's part of man in business. So at that point, I left. And I'll never forget, we had a, a showcase about to go on at, um, at Rutgers. And I had put out mad buzz about the showcase. And then I had quit, like, two, two, three weeks before the showcase. And I went to go get my check, my last check from the showcase, and the line was around the corner. And I was sick, like, what am I walking away from? 
But then something told me I was, I had a girl at the time and she was like, you doing all the work anyway. You might as well leave. You might as well start your own company. You know what I'm saying? So I stepped out on faith and then I started basketball spotlight at first basketball spotlight. I had stepped out. I was still covering high school sports. I had hooked up with hardcore Lucius. He was doing um, video. And so I would do the writing. He would do the video. And then he had HSS MTV and I had basketball spotlight. And then I, I remember going to a, I was covering a, a Saint, uh, an event at St. Benedict's. And at that time I wasn't getting paid by Metro hoops no more. So I was sitting at the table and I saw all these guys like Jay Gomes and the guys from rivals and the guys from scout. And I was like, all these dudes getting paid. And right now I ain't making no money. Like this ain't cutting it. And then Zag blogs got involved and Zag blogs was putting up stories too fast. I couldn't compete with all of that. So then I had, um, went down to Lakewood to, uh, Lauren Jackson was doing the tournament and he told me to come down and cover the tournament. And I went down there and he had some little kids playing. And I remember taking a pictures and I saw how happy they was like, they was like ecstatic. And then it, it gave me, it gave me some joy. And one of my friends was like, yo, you should do strictly middle school. Nobody's doing that. And this was about around 2005, 2006 or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to jump in that lane. And I had talked about it with a couple of my friends and they thought I was crazy. They was like, nobody's going to want to read about because everything was high school. And ESPN had just got involved in the high school part and People was like, yo, you, you sound crazy. Nobody's going to want to read about elementary school players. But I had went to King for business and I knew supply and demand. And I knew that it was a market that was untapped. And I also knew that most parents really, really going to really going to believe how good, really going to believe they could kids are that good when they're in elementary school. They don't really find out that <laughs> little Johnny ain't that good till you till we get yeah. to like ninth grade. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? So Correct. Correct. it just all made sense. But I had friends that was laughing at me saying, yo, this like romper room and this and that. But I saw something and then I just jumped in that lane and it it just started building and building and building. And then now everybody do it. You know what I'm saying? So it feels good to be one of the people that actually started the started the train going into where like middle school kids getting exposure and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that story. I mean. To hear that story, man, is similar to like hearing Master P, man. You you know, you got <laughs> you got it out the trunk, and um, you you knew your own value, man. You knew your yeah, own worth, yeah, man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And 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 you know, a lot of times, uh, us black people, we we think that we have to go somewhere else to create to uh, build something, and we can always build, you know, amongst ourselves. So kudos to you for that, brother. Now it was it was um. It was more like when I was with him, with, with Galen and him, I was trying to tell him that, yo, we should create a whole segment for just the young kids because I knew like they they should have their own lane and their own. Because I just imagine you in sixth grade and you in and, and this when people was going to computer class, you in computer class and you in sixth grade. And back when we was growing up, you had to wait till your name was in the newspaper. But now. Okay. 
you just go on the website and you can show the little girls how nice you is in basketball. And come on, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who does, like, like, what you going to be able to do with that? Then the parents going to be at the job. They can send the link to grandmom that live in Seattle. No she question. got grandmom in North Carolina. Everybody yeah. can see what you got going on. Come on, man. It was a, it, 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 it was a, I had a vision and then it started to come to fruition. And then when you sit back and you see like, when it really started buzzing and you get to see like a whole gym and you got teams from California and Texas and all these people flying to New Jersey and it all started from a thought. Mm -hmm. And then when you see it manifest, it's like something real amazing. Praise yes. to the most high for that. man. Yes, sir. That's beautiful, brother. Right. So, I mean, but to do something like that and get, and get something started, you had to have like a, a crazy love for the game. Like I know, yeah. you know, just being in, you know, being involved, uh, like, you know, I'm a sports writer and, uh, and I'm, a, I've always been like something, you know, basketball, always been, always loved basketball, played basketball. Um, but even now I'm, I'm like, you know, I enjoy seeing what kids, high school kids are doing or even younger kids are doing. Where, where did your love of the game start? Um, it actually started like, like I said, me and Ralston used to debate all the time about players, but I, I was always enthused about, being the first person to introduce the world to somebody. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be the first one to write about a kid. So I'm going anywhere. And when I see that kid, that makes me be like, wow, I'm going to be the one to, to, to like put them out there and to be the one to say like, yo, I told you, I told you this kid was going to be nice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when I'm, when I'm getting out there and just so happens when I jump into this game, the Northeast is buzzing. Like we're, I'm talking about, that was like our, from like 2003, 2002 to like 2010, 2009, we had it, we had it on smash. You know right. what I'm saying? So I'm getting to see everybody at, at, right. at, 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 at I'm saying Tariq Evans and Lance Stevenson. I'm talking about when they babies. So right. this is, I, I just came in at the right time and, and really been able to, see all of those guys made me want to just keep going and going and going and then trying to find the next new person and trying to find the next, like when I, like when I started in this joint, you had to send your joint to Rob at NYC NJ hoops for him to put your link up. And then you got mad of him. If he took too long to put your link up, you know what I'm saying? That, that's when the game was different, man. Right. Right. You know what I mean? The, the game was totally different back then. You took me back, man. I mean, it, 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 you saying those names, Lance and Tyreek, man. Yeah. I, remember, I was, uh, I was the, the uh, pretty much the GM of the sixteen and under division mm -hmm. of of our of our Panther team. Mm -hmm. And I remember in Philly we played against it was Lance versus Tyreek. Mm -hmm. And uh, but this was no, I'm sorry, not in Philly. This was at Bob Gibbons. We played in sixteen and under division, man. One of the best. Games I still remember. Tyreek had forty. Lance had about twenty eight and a triple mm -hmm. double. Yeah, mm -hmm. we won though. So shout mm -hmm. out to Philly mm -hmm. though. We won. That. <laughs> <laughs> nah, them was the yeah. That's a good times though. Yeah, them was the days, man. Um, the game different now. Like it's more. You don't really have to really put in the work. Like when I had to go out and do it, I had to go out and really make my name known. And especially going into a lot of the marinas and 
and them gems and being the only African-American in the in the press row, it was it was kind of awkward at times. And they didn't a lot of guys didn't really make it that comfortable. Norm Everson was really one of the only ones that really showed me mad love and taught me a lot of stuff when I was sitting there. But it was it was kind of awkward at times. But I learned a lot. And uh, and man, basketball has been so good to me. And it, it's, it's, it really opened a lot of doors for me. And just being able to just do what you love to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's a that's a blessing, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Exp- explain that a little bit, too, because, you know, uh, I've been in that situation, too, where you're like the only, you know, one of the few brothers and you're watching a sport that that's dominated by black by black kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a and and you, 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 you probably feel like, you know, basketball better than these other people watching. Like, you know, nah, what I, nah, I didn't really come in with that mentality only because I knew a lot of them from when I wasn't a writer and I used to see them. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming into this joint with a little respect on the sense of like, yo, maybe y'all could show me some things. But you you did see some of the like, I don't know if it was a fraternity type thing where they wanted to see if I was going to stick. You know what I'm saying? Or this guy just fly by night because right. the longer I stayed in the more places, just like you guys, the coaches and the players got their circuits. The writers got their circuit. So I'm going to see you at the next event. Then I'm going to see you at the next event. Then I'm going to see you at the next event. So it started to change a little bit as they saw I wasn't going nowhere. Okay. Oh, this dude really likes this. You get yeah. what I'm saying? And and then they start seeing the work you producing out, the, 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 the consistency of the work. And then they see the relationship that you have with the players. Mm-hmm. That was the key that I had brought to Metro Hoops that I took the basketball spotlight with me was – I was the one that went out and got Tyreek Evans to come to Metro Hoops. And they wasn't really doing people events back then. I was the one that went over to New York to get Durant Scott and Chuck Bryan and, and all of those dudes to come over to Jersey. You know what I'm saying? I didn't care. I, I was going to get it done. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? So that it was it was just a, I didn't mind getting up in the morning, driving to Rhode Island, leaving four in the morning. It didn't seem like work. Right. Right. Yeah, that's 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 a passion that's priceless, man. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a couple of the kids like Lance Stevenson, Tariq Evans. What what are some of the other kids that you saw from a real young age uh, that you that you you saw you kind of knew at the time that they they could be great or were, or had a great chance of being great? It that actually certain, turned out to be great. It was certain players that had an aura like. When you was around Lance or you was especially Tyreek, he just had an aura that you knew he was going to be a pro. Um, Marvin Bagley, when they came down to Atlantic City, when you just was standing by him in the eighth grade, you could just feel it like or Carl Anthony Towns. You could just feel it like they was going to be different. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Then you had some players that blew up later, like Donovan Mitchell was good, but nobody could tell me in the eighth grade that they thought he was going to be like this. Right. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So... Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to see some that you could tell from the beginning. And then, like, I could tell Cam Reddish was going to be. That's why I used to call him the prince. Because I said, once he grow to be the king, it might be over. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you could tell some kids got it from when right. they were real young. But then you you then you then got other kids that you can't tell. Like, what's the boy that played for the, uh, what's his name? Played for the um, Riverside. 
Dad used to help run Riverside. Now he played in the NBA, went to Virginia. Oh, um, oh, uh, 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 Jerome. Guard. Yeah. yeah, come on, bro. Yeah. Ain't no in eighth grade. Ain't nobody telling me they thought he was gonna be in the NBA, bro. <laughs> right. Like, like, right. like, I ain't even trying trying to take credit for that. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. you don't know. Like, Ty you know what I'm saying? Ty Jerome, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's why when my friends talk to me about rankings, they be like. What do you, when you do the rankings, what do you do it for? For me, it's fun to do it in eighth grade. I try to project. I want to be right in 12th grade. Mm. I don't care about, like, I got dudes that argue, like, you supposed to put who, who the best right now. And that's too easy. Right. I want to see when I look at ESPN less in 12th grade, how close was I when they was in eighth grade? That's fun to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's, that's the mind, that's the mindset of an NBA scout too, man. Like yeah, when I scout, yeah. when I scouted, um, uh-huh. we we often project upside. We look at the upside of a kid, yeah. not so much what how they look. You know, sometimes the stats look real weak as freshmen, but we we're, we're projecting how they're going to look in two or three years. So it's the mm-hmm. same type of um, understanding that you're dealing with with that, man. Yeah, yeah. But, it's 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 been. Um... It's been a journey, man. And and now, like, it's so many people doing it now. Like, as I'm as I'm phasing on to a different part of my life, I feel comfortable that once I finally do leave, that the game is in good hands because there's so many people doing middle school now. Like, now all you gotta do is have a is is, is start a you uh, uh, Instagram page in, in your basement, do some rankings, and two in three weeks have a camp. Right. You don't got to go out and do no work no more. It's not like everything is social media based. So you don't really have to go out and earn a reputation no more. Right. 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 Where where do you see the, the, the business going? Like from, from here on out? Um, it's different now, man. The, I'm part of the blame. Um, the entitlement has went down to the ages of uh, to the young ages too far now and the drive and the kids are not there because um i wrote articles about young kids and that probably added to it but i think when the sneaker companies went down to elementary school it took away a lot of hunger for kids to have to really fight for something before when they was had the they was on the team nexus and the team battles and the faces and all of those teams they knew they was battling battling so when they got to high school they could get to a sneaker team now they they're coming down so young kids are getting on team takeover team final in fourth grade now they feel like they already arrived right so the players are not hungry enough and then i think also too the social media aspect has made everybody too friendly uh, like everybody with my bro, follow my bro, take a picture with my bro. We want to go to the same school. It's not like when I used to go to ABCD and I saw um Lance Stevenson go at OJ Mayo. It's not like that no more. You know what I'm saying? When, when I'm coaching that team, bro. I know I, that's why I brought it up. I know, I know. <laughs> or you see, or you see when Darius Washington came all the way from right. Florida. The, right. The, the, to try to take Sebastian head off. Right. It ain't none of that no more. Everybody friends. Everybody's right. so cool. Everybody like that's my bro. And nah, it's 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 different, man. And um, right. 
I don't know. I I'm still looking for the certain kids. It's some talented kids, but I just was looking at um, and it really put me in a mindset of how the game changed when I was looking at gunning for number one. They just put it back on Hulu. And I was looking at that joint when they when they had the, all the kids go up to uh the first time they had ABC uh the thing at Rucker Park. Uh what was that joint called? Elite 24. Right. And they and they went to like and they had Brandon Jennings and Tyreek and Lance and, and Kevin Love. But they was going to their hometowns and they was doing bios on them. Those dudes was nice. Right. You get, but they didn't get all of that stuff until they got to like 10th grade and stuff like right. that. They wasn't, or if they got it, they was the only one that got it. Now, every kid on the team that's on the sneaker team that's decent feel like his parents are supposed to be flown out. Right, that's right. standard now. You get uh, what I'm saying? One, uh, and one, yeah. <laughs> <Plus> one. <laughs> that's standard. Like, oh, yo, yo, we you better pay for all our flights. We need all of this paid for. Then you got the kids that's nice that feel like you're supposed to fly them to your camp. You're supposed to do this and do that. Everybody want to come free. It's out of control now, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's out of control now. It's not the, the old days are gone, man. Yeah, it really is. Like. Uh, so we had a new heist tryout the other day, and Ra, the basketball director, shout out to I my know Ra, that's Ra. my guy. That's yeah, my yeah, guy. Shout out to Ra. He said, um, so I asked him how the sixth graders, you know, trials are going. He says, good, but we got some, we got some sixth graders big time in us right now. I don't know if they're coming back. That's what I'm trying to say. Trying <laughs> they want to see, they want to see what who's on the roster first. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say, man. It's, 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 it's total is different now, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, to, but but on the court, right? Cream, the cream always rises to the top. So indeed, 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 indeed. So are you seeing more unheralded guys come, um, you know, do their thing once 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 they get to high school, or is it the same kids who getting all that pub? Are they still the cream of the crop? Um, some of the kids are rising up, but. It's kind of hard to, um, and I don't want to come off like arrogant or, or cocky or anything like that. I remember one time I had this guy that was a, a rapper from my hometown, and I had um, and I had met Irv, Irv Gotti, when his son was playing basketball. And I had passed off a CD to him, and I told him to listen to it. And he told me, he was like, I'm going to listen to it, but it's hard to impress me because I had listened to Jay and, and DMX when they was young. And I listened to so many dope artists that, so once you watched all of those years of basketball, it's kind of, it's kind of hard for somebody when you walk in the gym to be like, yo, people come up to you saying like, this person is nice. That person is nice. And then you go see him play. Then you like, yeah, he okay. Right. And it's not you being arrogant, but you didn't saw so many experiences. Experience. Yeah, yeah, so many nice dudes. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yep. You get what I'm saying? Like so, and it's not taking away nothing from the kids. Right. But right. it's hard for somebody to really catch your eye and you be like, yo, that kid's special. Yeah. You get what I, I'm saying? I can relate, man. I, I never forget when we had the Nets, we had a Nets free agent workout. And Anthony Bennett, who was once the number one pick, had to come in and and, and work out. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I already knew he was out the league, but seeing that dynamic of the number one pick only a few years ago, 
mm-hmm. try to play himself back in the league. Mm-hmm. Put a lot of things in my perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I I dig that, man. And it's 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 so many things got to go right for you, and mm-hmm. so many people. I think also too, as a culture, we hurt the game in terms of um, we took away the college experience. Like when we were young, it was like. If you played in college and you did your thing, you was all American. You was like celebrated. Now it's like, as soon as you bring up a basketball player name, man, he ain't make it to the league. He ain't nice. That's the first thing out of people. Like we just erased whatever they did in college. Right. We erased all of that. It's like make it to the league a bus. Right. Right. And that's not fair because nobody cares about that kid. Like one one of the articles I just read maybe like a year ago that really put it into um, perspective for me was when I read that article about Trayvon Duvall Mm. and it kind of hurt me, man. And he was like, he had everything and he thought he had everything going into that draft night and everybody told him this and told him that and blah, 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 blah. And then when he didn't get picked the next morning, everybody was gone. Wow. And nobody, who's going to be there to get his mind back right? Right. Now, you've been building this kid up since 15. I see him at the Under Armour thing. He's going, he's playing out. This one thing I can say, ABCD, you go into their camp, you see former players on the wall outside. Correct. Former players, like that's in the pros now. You know what I'm saying? He was walking into the Under Armour gym and his picture was on the wall. You get what I'm saying? So now... The reality hits that this ain't come true. Right. Now we we just push him to the side and look for the next one. Cold but what man. is he? But what is he going through? Right. right. Who's right. there for him now? Right. That's the part that 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 we don't we don't really realize when they the the stuff that we're doing to like the stuff that they're doing to kids trying to rush them through this process, man. Right. Like all these overtime leagues and this and that. We're taking away from the essence of kids growing up yep. to be men and, and doing kid things. Right. And let you know and letting them develop. Exactly. Let them let them gain confidence. Exactly. Like, exactly. I yeah, I wrote an article about this years ago, like a few years ago, about um it's kind of exactly what you're saying. Like in co- like like you rushing these now, you know, the whole culture now, like they don't, like you said, they don't care about like, if you didn't make it to the league, you're not anything really. It's, if you didn't get, if you don't go to the league, if you're not one and done, mm-hmm. you, you ain't, you ain't nothing. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. everybody, it's all peer pressure. If you see this dude goes one and done, even though you didn't have a good freshman year of college, you feel like you got to go one and done anyway. Cause this, exactly. cause you got that pressure. And then, exactly. you know, there's, there's benefits to, to getting better in college. Like, you could you stay an extra year and you and you're a man. That's think about the confidence you go into the NBA with. You know that cha- that could change your whole career. So I, exactly. I know exactly what you're saying, man. Yeah. But it's a shame. It's a shame. And I, I think more importantly, you learn so much in college that don't have nothing to do with books or basketball. Facts. Learn how to survive. Going through your first love, going or it might have your first love in high school, but your probably your first real relationship, going through breakups, right? Yep. Crying, laughing, right. all right. them emotions. You go from 
having a half having a half a year at Kentucky to sitting on somebody NBA bench where you don't really where you don't really relate to none of the other players on the team because you all young. I know you're getting a check, but how happy can you really be? Yeah, they going home today today to their wives. And you 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 try to still dance outside a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's 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 um it's um it's different, man. But as I'm as I'm cultivating into a different person, um the most high just is taking my life a little away from basketball and into a new journey and that's even more eye-opening and I see more of a purpose in me doing that than I, than I did with basketball now. Yeah. Let's talk about that new journey you on, man. Like what I've seen a lot of posts that you put up and I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it touched me. Some of the Mm -hmm. things you put up are touching me because when I was in my twenties, I had like, I was Hennessy was my cousin. Mm-hmm. And, and and my and my homegirl was Alize. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> and when they came together, a bomb happened. And you know, after a while, I had to get off that thing, man. Yeah. So talk, um, talk about your journey, man. Um, what happened was back in 2009, um, I found my wife murdered. Mm-hmm. And and we was best friends and we were separated. So I was the number one suspect. And it took them six years to figure out what happened. So all wow. while I was doing basketball spotlight, all this was going on. Wow. Um, so they put me through it and I didn't have nowhere to turn and nowhere to go. And I turned to alcohol. And at first it was, it, it worked because it gave me a sense of being able to escape what I was dealing with. But as the years went on, the the progression grew and more things started happening. Like I had an attorney that came and 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 took over the case for me um in 2009 when it happened. And then 2013, he died from brain cancer. Okay. And then the and then the, the the prosecutor office was on my heels. You know what I'm saying? So then around 2015, this new detective come on the case and he said, like, yo, I know what happened. And I know you didn't have nothing to do with it. And he was like, um, but I need to talk to you so we could get this case done. And my lawyer had told me, don't go talk to them because they ain't trying to be your friend. They really trying to arrest you. So it took me about a year to sit down and talk to this guy. And he told me, he was like, yo, your wife lived next door to a drug dealer. He had money and drugs in the freezer. And his, his, his girlfriend was at a party running her mouth and some stick up kids heard her. And they went to rob his house and they went to the wrong house. Mm-hmm. And that's how your wife got killed. So now I, I felt I felt relieved that they knew I didn't do it. But I was hurt that she had lost her life over that. So I fly down to Florida because I'm like, yo, you've been sipping a little too much. You need to go get some help. So I fly down to Florida. And then once I get down there, um, I do five days in the detox and I go into rehab. And then once I got in the rehab, I went to a meeting and I made a near fatal mistake. I compared myself to the people that I was in there instead of identifying with them. Mm. It was a guy in there. He was talking about, he drank like half a gallon a day. I was only drinking like a pint or pint and a half. So I was like, I ain't like him. Then it was another guy in there. He was like, he drank, um, 
hand sanitizers and hairspray and all of this stuff. And I was like, I'm not like him. Then it was another dude in there that was like, asking me what was my morning rush and i'm like what's your, what you mean morning rush you're like what you drink in the morning to get going i'm like i don't drink in the morning so at that point i had turned off my ability to learn and i told myself i'm only here because to get there because my wife got murdered so and i can remember it was a um uh a counselor in there named chris and he kept rocking the chair and i was like chris why you keep messing with that chair and he was like um because I'm saving the seat for you because you ain't do nothing while you was here. And when you come back, you're going to be drinking twice as much. And I laughed at him and I was like, man, I ain't never coming back here. You sound crazy. So the night I was supposed to, I was supposed to check out Saturday morning. I convinced them to let me out Friday night. So once they let me out, my cousin lived in Fort Lauderdale. He came to pick me up and I was so arrogant. He was like, what you want to do? And I was like, man, I ain't really been around no broads. Let's go to the strip club. So I leave from the rehab and go to a strip club. So, you know, I picked up a drink. So now I fly back to New Jersey. I didn't even know I was supposed to stop because I wasn't paying attention while I was in there. You know what I'm saying? So I start drinking and chilling, drinking and chilling. I don't really see no progression. Then I get a call from the prosecutor office again. And they like, yo, we got to go to trial. And you got to testify because you're the one that found her. And their defense attorneys, it was three guys, and their defense attorneys got to say you did it because that's the only way that they're going to get off. Now I'm scared because I ain't never testified in no trial before. Now you're basically telling me if I mess up, these dudes got a chance to get off. I don't know what they're going to ask me. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they're going to dig up all the dirt that I ever did in my past. I know they got to try to make me look like a bad person. Right. So I got scared and I didn't have no program because I didn't pay attention in rehab. So I started drinking again. And now what Chris told me at rehab is really happening. I could see the progression picking up because since me and her worked at the same job, they told me I had to retire because I have PTSD. Now, all this going on, my basketball spotlight going on, nobody don't really know because I'm going to the tournaments doing this, but this is my real life. Right. After right. The, off this off the stage. So um, it took four years for us to get to trial. Four years. And then this one, the, I go testify. And this one, my higher power came in my life, man. On my birthday, March 12th. 2019 the verdict came down and all the dudes was guilty as charge all three dudes so now me being the the the, the alcoholic that i am I, I thought god did that so i could go party for like six months so two weeks later my wife was giving me a party down atlantic city and now around this time i'm retired from work so my drinking is around the clock now you know what i'm saying so my wife gave me a party down in Atlantic City and I'm sitting next to one of my friends and all her, everybody's bringing me Ciroc. That's what I used to drink. Everybody's bringing it. So I overdid it that night and I'm, I was sitting next to one of my friends and, and, I, and I had the DTs and, he, and I looked at him and he looked like a demon, bro. That's how done I was and it scared me and I said I would never drink again but when I woke up in the morning, that's when I realized I couldn't stop. Now I'm drinking against my will. 
because mm-hmm. now my body has to have it. That's right. when I knew, like, oh, something is wrong. So then one night I was I was going through all types of emotions and feelings. And my wife at the time was like, yo, do you want me to take you to crisis? And I was like, no. And then I went in my basement and I got on my knees and I prayed. And I just said, God, there ain't nothing else I could do. You either got to help me or you got to take me. And then um, the wheel started turning. And then I said, I got to go back to rehab. So then I, I flew out to Palm Springs, California, because I didn't want to go back to Florida because I was ashamed. So I went out there and the, and the rehab was whack. I didn't really like the how it looked and none of that stuff. So then I called back home and my wife and my dad was like, you ain't coming back to Jersey. So you got to go to Florida. So I said, fuck it. I jumped on another flight from California and I flew to Florida. And when I got to Florida, I did five days in the detox and then I went into rehab and then I opened the damn book, bro. I opened the I opened the big book and I was reading that night and the first two chapters, I really couldn't understand it because my head was still cloudy from just getting out of detox. That was the doctor's opinion and Bill's story. I couldn't really grasp it. But when I got to this chapter called more about alcoholism, it hit me. And I identified with it so much, I immediately turned to the front of the book because I wanted to see what year this book was written because I couldn't believe they was talking about me in this book. Mm-hmm. And then I had got to a part of the the chapter where it was this guy and he was 30 years old and he had a business and that resonated with me immediately. And then it was like, he said he wasn't going to drink again. The alcohol started messing with his business and he said he wasn't going to drink again until he retired. And he waited 25 years, bro. He was sober 25 years. Mm. And when he was 55, he said he had on his slippers and he picked up a drink. And they said three months later, he was in the hospital. And three years later, he, he was dead. And I said, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? The alcohol had progressed in his body even when he wasn't drinking. Mm. So that's when I knew I had a problem. So then I started sitting in the front of clinical, raising my hand. I started going to meetings every day. I started doing anything I wanted to do because I knew if I didn't do something, I was going to die. So then I um I joined this group called Back to Basics. And they um take you through the steps. And so I had went out and, I, and they give you a sponsor and, and they take you through the steps. So I had this young white kid. He was my sponsor. And when I met him and stuff, he started taking me through the steps. So you go through like two or three steps, then you go meet with the group. You go through two or three more steps, you go meet with the whole group of people. So we got to step four and five, and I kept hearing about step four and five. Like everybody was scared to do these steps. So he told me, if you do it, you're going to feel better. So step four, you got to write down a moreless, fear, a fearless moral inventory of your life. You got to write down all the stuff you ever did or the harms or the harms you ever caused or the resentments you ever did all the sexual stuff you ever did, all the, the people you hate. You got to write all this stuff down. And then step five, you got to tell it to him or the nature of it. I did this. 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 So once I sat down and told him this, it humbled me. First, I had to look at everything I did on, the, on, this, on, on these papers. And you got, we could rationalize anything in our minds. 
But when you look at it in black and white, you like, damn, I was terrible. Then I got to tell it to this other person, all my deepest, deepest, darkest secrets, everything I ever did wrong, all of the all of the women I did wrong, everything. And it humbled me. And then after you do five, you got to pray. And he said, we got to pray for three things. We got to pray for God to forgive you. We got to pray for God to make you a better person. And we got to pray for you, for him to give you strength to forgive yourself. And then I turned and looked at him and he said, yeah, you got to forgive yourself. You were sick. So we go through the whole four and five. And then he was like, all right, go sit somewhere for an hour and meditate. So I jump in the Uber. I go back to my dorm. I go in and I'm walking. And I still remember this. I see my bed and I'm walking to my bed. And then... It's like a warm sensation just went through my body and the voice came in my head and the voice was like, I got you. All you got to do is serve me and you don't got to worry about nothing else. And for the first time in my life, I didn't care about money, alcohol, women. All I wanted to do was serve God. Like I never felt nothing like that in my life. And then it was like my eyes the blinders was taken off of my eyes and I could see the world from a spiritual realm that I had never been able to see the world before. And then I had, um, I had got on my knees and I prayed and I was like, God, um, why did you allow all of this to happen to me? Like, why did you allow me to find her? Why did you allow me to, to be the, the number one suspects? Why did you allow me to, um, to go through all this and then get addicted to alcohol in the process? So, about three days later, three, four days later, it was time for me to coin out. So when you coin out, they give you a coin, but you got to tell your story in front of the whole rehab. And it was about 200 people in there, bro. And this was my first time telling my story. And then everybody stopped in the whole room and everybody was looking through me. And it was like, they was captivated. And I was like, and that's when it hit me, bro. That's when I found my purpose. That's when I understood that all of the stuff that I went through didn't have nothing to do with me. It was for me to get through it so I could try to go help save lives. Mm. So then I, they was like, when you go home, don't go chill with your wife. Don't go see your friends. As soon as you get off the plane, go to a meeting. And then when I got off the plane, I went to a meeting and I've been chasing meetings ever since. So one night I came home and um, I had turned to ESPN and I saw Chris Heron on there and he was talking to them kids at them schools and talking to them about drugs and all of that kind of stuff. And I said that most high spoke to me again, like you got to do this because don't nobody do this in our communities. Don't nobody, nobody be vulnerable and transparent in our communities to our kids and let them know that this could happen to you. Now I'm saying to myself, I'm like, I'm like, Melton, do I really want to let people know what I went through? Like, so then, the, you know, that the adversary come at you like, well, it's going to affect your business. And then God was like, nah, I don't care about nothing like that. They need to hear from you because you the one that they look up to and you you the one to let them know that this could happen to them. So then I started contacting mad AAU teams and, and high school teams. And then I just started going around talking, bro. Telling them my story. Telling them don't self-medicate to go get help. 
And then I just saw the response it was getting. Then I kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I was like, I'm retired, but I wanted to do more. So then I prayed to God, yo, God, I want to do more. Then he sent me a couple sponsees. So I started working with them. Then I was like, God, I need to do more. So then one time I went to go speak at this place. I had spoken at the place about four times. And then I had went to speak this time. I had a couple of sponsees with me and we was leaving. And my sponsees was taking all along. They talking to the, the guys at the rehab because they're the same age. You know what I mean? I'm older. I'm like, yo, let's go. They're like, hold up, Mike. Da, da, da. They chopping it up, this and this. And then this guy pulls up as soon as we get in the car. And he like, yo, Mike, don't leave yet. And I'm like, what's up? He like, I need you to, um, I need to talk to you. So I'm thinking he holding me up. I'm like, what's up, Jimmy, man? I'm, I'm trying to roll out of here. He like, I want you to go in here and apply for this job. And I'm like, what you talking about? He like, I want you to come apply for this job. I want you to work here. And I'm like, what? So I go in there and talk to the dude and the dude like, yo, I want to hire you on the spot. I ain't have just after a conversation. And now I wake up every day, bro. And just so happens the, the, the amount of money I make is not a lot. So it fits into my retirement where I'm not making over the amount. And now every day I work at a rehab from, from 7.30 in the morning to 3.30, bro. Wow, that's and, a hell of a story, man. And and it's like the best job I ever had, bro. Wow. Like to see people, because I was the guy that was an asshole in <laughs> the first time, and then I had to get it right the second time, so I know both sides of it. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So, I, so when they coming in there, I could let them know, like, yo, you're going down the wrong road. And I keep it real with them. Even when I go do stuff now, I share it with them because I'm in recovery just like them. You know what I'm saying? So we helping each other. And now I just, for the first time, I just had my camp and I told my story at my camp in front of 200 and something kids. And it was like, just to see parents at the end come up to me and be like, yo, you, um, you, um, Forget the basketball. That was the most important thing you talked about this weekend. You know what I'm saying? And 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 to see that, man, it's 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 like I would have never thought like two and a half years ago, I would have never thought that three years ago, I would have never thought that I would be doing anything like this, bro. Well, one thing, man, first of all, man, so much respect for you for what you've gone through, man. And yep. You know, we call that the love hella right. You go through Sometimes you got to go through hell to get right. You, know? <laughs> know, you love yourself enough. You know what I'm saying? I so, know. Uh, so and, and then also, man, you know, you're doing something. You're speaking a language that is unpopular right now for a lot of kids. Because when they turn on the hip hop, mm-hmm. they not hearing don't drink. Mm-hmm. They hearing mm-hmm. drinks. They hearing mm-hmm. Papa Molly. They, they mm-hmm. hearing smoke some weed. And these are the kids that you and I work with on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for you to go against that message means that you're definitely doing God's work, man. And mm-hmm. I've been peeping your, your platform. And, you know, it t- like I said, it touched me because I had a major drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me going to meetings and I have a sponsor myself mm-hmm. and, you know, so, you know, I, I already, as soon as I said, I saw he's a friend of Bill. and i I respect that bro real Mm -hmm. talk man because Mm -hmm. it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of heart to do what you did and i didn't even know anything about the the backdrop of the 
you know, the murder mm-hmm. charge that mm-hmm. you were facing, man. So, mm-hmm. man, you definitely here for a reason, brother. And 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 I got nothing but respect for you, man. Yeah, it's it's um like I always tell people, like, that's why he don't tell you the whole story. Cause if he would have told me that I had to go through all of this to get to this point, I'd have right. I would have asked for option B. Right. I would have said right. <laughs> right. that's why he don't that's why he don't tell us. Yeah, for sure. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and but now, cause that was the 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 first and only time in my life when everything first happened that I had contemplated suicide. Right. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? And the three reasons I didn't do it was because I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want my 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 um family to go through no more pain because they was already going through pain with her dying. And I didn't want to go through um I wanted to see it through because I knew I didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? But um I'm so blessed with him that I'm on this side of it. And I had I had therapists and psychologists ask me, like, how didn't you go crazy? And the only thing I could do is give it the blessing to him because I know people from where I grew up at that went crazy for less. No question. Me you get too. what I'm saying? Like, That's yeah, right. you know how it is around yeah. the way. Like somebody's yeah. mom died and they just gone. Right. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, I like that. So to I never thought that like he and I always tell people this. I shared it in a meeting today about the reason I'm grateful is because I used to have a fear, especially once I, once it took him a while to, to, um, solve the case, I turned my back on God and I, and I dove into sin. You know what I mean? I'm traveling, going to the Dominican Republic, doing all of that kind of stuff, because that's the only thing that made me feel normal. Cause I was scared. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. And, but I used to have a fear of being, 70 and 80 years old and being on my deathbed and then looking back at my life and saying, yeah, you did the basketball thing, but what did you really amount to? Right. All you wanted to do was party and chase women and do this and do that. Right. And he gave me a chance to change it, bro. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And you taking full advantage. Yeah. 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 That's why you shining today, bro. Yeah, he gave me a chance to change it, bro. And that's probably why you blew up B-Ball Spotlight because you didn't even know you were building your own a platform for something bigger. <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah. That's what I said. When I yeah. saw Chris Heron doing his thing, I thought about it and said, oh, that's why you allowed me to do this. Yeah, indeed. You know what I'm saying? Like, indeed. so it's... Bigger it's, purpose. Yeah. Is that, is, that the way, is that the way you look at it now in, in terms of... Uh, Using basketball, you know, something you've loved all along to to you know to, to be able to yeah because reasons. yeah because working in there, bro, and understanding the epidemic that we're dealing with now with these pills and it's fentanyl, that's totally next level than alcohol. Like the alcohol thing, it it gets you. But it, it kind of takes a while to get you because it's, it's it, it sucks you in right. because it starts out fun. Right. Everything's fun and, and harmless. And then you next thing you know, you caught into it. But yeah. for the most part, a lot of people don't don't have to really admit to it because it don't wipe everything out from you at first. 
Right. It gets you though, because even, yeah. even me, I'm a I've been a heavy drinker my whole life, and then mm -hmm. recent, recently it got me health wise. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's like yeah. me. I could. I listen, man. I, I'm not allergic to to anything, but I know I break out in handcuffs when I drink. I take that. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, so I know better, man. I, I yeah, know, I know. I, I I call it my kryptonite. Real talk. Mm -hmm. Like I, I mm -hmm. feel like I'm I'm powerful with without it. You know? mm -hmm. And but the funny thing is, when I was with when I drank it, I thought I was powerful. Indeed, so it, indeed. Right? So it has that liquid courage. In your mind, indeed, you know? indeed. And and um, but this pill and this fentanyl thing—that's yeah. a that's a next level. Yeah, that's, yes. that's not that's not yes. my generation. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I don't even know. Are yes. the kids are the kid it's it's deep like that right now? Yes. Yes. Yes, because like he was saying, like when we grew up, rappers might have talked about drinking a drinking some, smoking a little chronic, but these dudes is talking about bragging and rhyming about hard drugs, man. Lean yeah. and pills and, yeah. and and perks and mollies and putting up in their cups and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole and these different are some of the animal. most popular rappers out. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole yeah. different animal, bro. And, and me being in there, these see see what happens is the um they start off with the pills, the pills, the pills, the pills. But then the pills, if the pills don't take you out with the fentanyl, because now a lot of the people are, are coating their stuff with fentanyl because they want you to, to get high crazy so you could come back. And people, so recently people died, like a yeah. people died off it being yeah. this, right? Yeah, so now, but what happens is eventually you can't afford the pills. The pills cost too much. So then they started going, then they start going to heroin because heroin is cheaper. So this is the new, this is the new, not cocaine, but crack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. the same formula. Exactly. Cocaine too expensive. Yeah, and exactly. I priced myself out of that. Yeah. get some crack. Yeah, now I'm really off to off to yeah. the race. Yeah. So yeah. and now it's 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 to that thing. So that's why I pray that more people become vulnerable and transparent to let these kids know, yo, I've been through that. You could get through it. See, when people going through stuff, I tell my story because I know there's some people out there that's going through stuff that don't know what to do. Don't they scared to talk to somebody because they were taught in the home. Don't tell I don't tell your business in the street. So now you're keeping all of that stuff inside. And now you're going to go to a substance to, to make you feel normal. Right. You know what I'm saying? To deal right. with the, the fear and the pain and all of that kind of stuff, man. Right. Right. And right. and that's the that's that's why. I, I try to be transparent and vulnerable and that's why I post different things. So when people read it, they could be like, you know what? I'm feeling this kind of way today. I, I probably need to go talk to somebody. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yo, yo, Mike said something that really hit me. Maybe I am sipping a little too much. Maybe I need to look at this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so I try to do it on the awareness and being in sobriety. I'm, I'm coming up on like two and a half years now. The, it's not, Life happens. It ain't no like when you first get into it, you thinking like, all right, I'm not drinking. It's, I got this pink cloud. My life is going to be perfect. No shit happens. You know what right. I'm saying? You're going to go through deaths. You're going to go through. All. It's just about learning how to deal with it without picking up a drink. Right. You right. get what I'm saying? So I basically replaced the alcohol with God. 
So now, and that's why they call it spirits because it's two different spirits. <laughs> that's why they okay. call the alcohol wine and spirits because it's two different spirits. You get what I'm saying? So yes, sir. that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to still do the basketball thing, but my next thing is to get into after I get like a year or so at this rehab under my belt, then I want to get into doing with the grace of the most high to get into sober houses. Well, 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 Mike, I know one thing you got a, you got an open invite. We got a new armory at, okay. the, at, at new heights. Oh so yeah. Gonna, Let me know when I can come talk. Oh, but no, I, no, no, that's a done deal. I want the whole program to, to be the there. The whole program. Okay. The whole program. Okay. I was okay. going to be selfish with my team, but everybody needed it. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> no, I, no, I definitely appreciate yeah, it. And, yeah, we definitely and, gonna have and, it, bro. And, and I can't take no money. All, all, all I want is a bottle of water, bro. No that's question. It. No question. That's it. That's it. That's all I want, man. Say less, say less brother. I got you. No doubt, man. And no thank doubt, you. man. No, thank, thank you guys, man. man thank you. Thank you. You just helped me get another day. You no know question, what I'm saying? Man. Same, uh, same to you, brother. All right, K, man. Thanks, man. Tell thank Gary you, and myself. All right. What's up, man? Nice all meeting right. you, brother, man. I'm about to get ready to... To start my Sabbath, man. So, All right, peace, brother. Guys, take care, man. Yes, you sir. All, All right. All right, man. That was deep. Yeah. yeah, very, very deep, man. The brother, you know, let his heart out on our podcast and only to help, you know, brothers and sisters that are, that are listening to this podcast, man. This is something that, you know, definitely needs to be uh, understood about, you know, playing with drugs and playing with alcohol it eventually turn on you. And, um, you know, he, he was, he was vulnerable. Like he said, and shared his story. And we really appreciate that. And then, and then, you know, another big thing is, is turning a negative into, into a positive question, into an extreme positive. I mean, yes, extreme, you know, turn, you know, turn your, your whole life around and actually find, find yourself and find what you were you actually meant to do based on some mistakes you made early on. It's, you know, life, life is real. I mean, yeah, he, he that he, is life. Yeah, no question. He 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 was a he's a giant in basketball, but he's a bigger giant in what he's doing now. Right. So you know, blessings to him. No doubt, no doubt. So uh, again, we thank Mike Milton, B Ball Spot Spotlight, for joining us. Um, you know, we'll have him back on. I'm sure uh, we'll we'll stay we'll stay in touch with him, and I'm sure he'll you know he'll keep sending us uh, messages that everybody needs to hear. So uh, thanks to everybody again listening to the podcast. Thanks for supporting us as always. As always, follow us on on social media at UpNextPod, on Instagram at UpNext underscore pod, on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Um, keep listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back next week. Some more good content for sure. And uh, we'll be back next week. Peace, everyone. Like birdie too Time to put on for your city When they never heard of you Ball player Ain't no watching from the side uh, Picking up them pieces Ain't no limits in the sky uh, Said you got up next But gon' show them why uh, One, two That's a three Now take your shot, ball player Bishop Lachlan Purple and gold That's a flex uh, Kylie Green Got me a scally Before he left uh, Joe Cash Something like dollars on the check uh, they had then, I got now, now guess who next?